Father, thank you. Um, and even when we say thank you, Lord, it, it doesn't even express the, the depth of gratitude that, that we have for you. And we know there's still yet more uh, that you do on our behalf that we should be thankful for. So thank you for uh, continuing uh, drawing us close to you. We just lift up the, the kids' ministry this morning, Lord, excited about all those that are helping and that they will be able to meet the individual needs of, of the, the kids, Lord. I pray that it would be effective. I pray, Lord, that you would use it to, to just uh, uh, raise up uh, disciples for you. And, Lord, uh, that we would partner with the parents uh, as they seek to raise children of faith. And so, Lord, uh, we uh, ask that you would be with the study and uh, give us uh, just uh, insight and wisdom. Encourage one another in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There you are. So we are on the backside of 34, um, and we're looking at how uh, these verses, uh, we're going to look at how they explain the attitude of the believer. So I believe we got through First Peter reference. Does anyone have a better... I think one, First Corinthians we got through too. Okay, so Galatians 5.13, if someone would read that. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use the freedom of the opportunity for the flesh, but, for the, but through love serve one another. Okay, so how does that explain the attitude of the believer? And we have the freedom to do that now. We're, we're, it's, there's kind of this indication. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> there's kind of this indication that you were bound to not be able to do that before. Um, you know, when you're not uh, free in Christ, you're pretty much always selfish. <laughs> I mean, I know that once we're in Christ, we aren't selfish at all. But, <laughs> but uh, how about First Peter 4, 10 and 11? As each one of us has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and forever. Amen. So what's the attitude of the believer there? So again, it's simple. Go ahead, Harold. There's hospitality. There's don't grumble. There's serve one another. Yeah. <clears throat> so on and so forth. Yeah. So, so a lot of similarities. Um, and I think that it's great when you look across the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. They're both saying the same thing. And that is, use what God has gifted you with to serve one another. And to, to, you're realizing you're doing it, what? For the glory of God. Not for any other reason. 
And I think that that's an attitude sometimes that is very beneficial for us as believers is to say, how am what I'm doing in this moment or in this day, how does it bring glory to the Lord? Is that my heart? Is that my desire? Um, and then we realize we need the help of the Holy Spirit because we really will get in the way of bringing glory to, to the Lord. But if the heart desire is in line with the Lord is in the morning and whenever, throughout the day to say, Lord, I want you to be glorified today. And then we trust him for it. Then we walk in the spirit and we serve one another. We use whatever situation we're in to serve others. So let's look at Mark 10, verse 45. <clears throat> And Jesus says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So how does this verse bring, number one, bring comfort? And how does it express the heart of God? Well, the comfort is he gave his life as a ransom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, in within that, of course, then is his servanthood. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, that's big time servanthood. <laughs> yeah, and and again, that helps us that we're not just being told what to do; we're being shown what to do and how to do it. Um, and I think that again, that's the attitude, right? To give his life as a ransom for me—that's the heart of God to serve. I think sometimes that, that, that even we in, in our challenges uh, at moments of time see God um, a little aloof and a little overbearing at times. Um, and though we do want to have the awe of God and the reverence of God, at the same time, God has revealed his heart to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so he's not an unknown God. He's not a, he's not a God that we can't grasp hold of um, and know. And, and so I think that brings us comfort when we look at, at what Christ did. And then he gives us the example of servant. I mean, I, I, the reality is none of us will probably, no, that's, let me, I'll make it definitive, but none of us can serve or will serve to the extent that Jesus Christ served us. Um, you know, I mean, you can give your life for somebody. I mean, that, that happens, and we see that in battle and other things. And, but the reality is it, it's, it's still temporal. It's not eternal. Steve? I was just wondering, as Harold was talking about this, even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I just was wondering uh, how many times he told uh, of his death, burial, and resurrection and on the way to Jerusalem and around and. I'm, I'm assuming they're still not grasping that concept to give his life for a ransom for many. I wonder how many of them actually understood even a, the, the, uh, a smidgen of that concept that he was going to die for, this, for our sins. And it would seem like it, 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 they're still in the dark. Well, at this point in time, but we know that, <coughs> excuse me, after right. <laughs> they get some clarity. Yeah, yeah the, clarity uh, the, the Holy Spirit... Uh, reveal some things to them and and uh, so obviously are they wouldn't have been martyrs for it yeah. so well it kind of reminds me of me i find myself in the dark quite often asking god to shed some light where i'm at too i know <laughs> need some help <laughs> all right somebody grab second peter 3 9 and somebody look to john three seventeen, and then 
When you get the second Peter three nine, somebody read that one, and then as soon as they're done, if the person who has John three seventeen would read, I'd appreciate it. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. All right, Jackie, we'll have you do John three seventeen, please. <laughs> For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So how do these verses explain to us and give us understanding of how we're to share with others? Well, again, it's what... I mean, again, Jesus came to be a servant, not to, for us to serve him. So, I mean, same, same thing. Mm -hmm. um, attitude of servanthood. Mm -hmm. I think, again, one of the challenges that we have is people's misunderstanding of the heart of God. And it's very clarified in these verses. God does not want people to perish. He wants them to have eternal life. So much so that when Jesus came, it wasn't so that he could pronounce condemnation on the world, but so that there is a way that the world could be saved and not perish and have eternal life. And so one of the, some of the challenges we have with sharing with others is there's a, a, there's a, there's a number one, there's a misconception of who God is in many people. Um, and, and some of it's the fault of, of other believers and, and whatnot. And then there's also just an ignorance, really, of, and a not knowing of who God is. And so, you know, when you talk about something other than you, something that created you, people automatically go to, well, that means that I, you know, I have to answer. Um, and so there's this fear that comes in rather than saying, you know, which is good if they feel that way. But God has made a wrath-appeasing sacrifice in Jesus Christ for, for others. So I think that often some of the challenges, and I think even we see in this context when we've been reading with, with, um, with who's the greatest in the kingdom, keep the kids away, <laughs> where Jesus is going, no, that's not the attitude. That's not my heart. My heart is I want everyone. And, and to be the, and I, even though Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom, he is the servant of all. And if he can do it, then certainly uh, through his strength, we can, we can serve others. Um, so, we finished 34. What do you know? Moving to 35, uh, someone, if you'd tackled Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. 
Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Okay, so um, Bartimaeus is bar Timaeus, so son of Timaeus. So like we see Simon Bar-Jonah uh, is one of the disciples. Bar-Jonah is that Bar is son of or from uh, Jonah. So that's where you say Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. So again, this would only be technically last name, really. Um, it's just the, his. So again, that gives us some insight is that he's not even known by his first name. He's just of this, this father. Um, so what are some other observations you see in this passage? Okay, there's a miracle. Great. I was thinking of Bartimaeus over there when he's uh, crying out, uh, uh, Jesus, son of David over there. I mean, he's, he's calling him a, a Messiah, Mashiach. He's, he's given a title, an Old Testament scripture of, of a title of, of God. And um, I'm not so certain everybody understood that, but it, it, you know, Jesus acknowledges that. He turns around and okay. he stops right there and he says, call him. Okay. And what I'm saying is it's almost a backwards acknowledgement of his deity. So it's not. It's a, it's a forward. You're, you're kind of answering number two here in your observation, which is great. Um, but some of the reasons they're rebuking him is he is actually claiming Jesus to be God in his request. Sorry about that. I no, that's, I asked for observations. You made an observation. So, so that's, that's some of the reasons they were like, hey, <laughs> you, you can't call him that. That, that's a title for God. Um, and so that, again, uh, to your point, Jesus didn't rebuke him for calling him that. So, any other observations? But there was a large crowd also, and I would assume they were following for the familiar reasons, mm-hmm. miracles and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you wonder, too, this is just imagination, <clears throat> Were there more than just this guy asking to have mercy in a big crowd, right? I mean, we see that this is a common theme. Uh, so was it the son of David that caught the attention? Um, you know, we don't know. It's just it's some of these things that you go, it's a large crowd. They were, to your point, Harold, they were there because of the reputation of Christ. Um, and then you have this interaction um, that, that Mark, now we know that Mark is pretty brief in a lot of what he says. John tells us that if, we, if they were to record all the miracles that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough paper in the world, basically, is what he says. So, and, and so we know that, that, that Mark is very succinct and gives just highlights. I would call it the highlight reel of Jesus' life, is what Mark does. Um, he's, he's proficient in brevity. Um, so, so, uh, so some of the reasons, obviously, that they would be rebuking Bartimaeus is number one, um, he, was, he was talking and, and claiming that, that Jesus was God, son of David. That was a direct uh, request to the Messiah. Are you beeping over here? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, does, it does that when I'm highlighting stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, uh, just make sure I wasn't going too crazy or any more crazy than I am. So, uh, and so again, 
And it could have been that, hey, don't bother him. It could have been selfishness on the part. It could have been, uh, who knows, you know, why they were rebuking him. But other than it calls it out in Mark that there's a direct reference to the title of the Messiah in, in Son of David. And so uh, that could have been, I would say, logically, that's probably the best reason why they were trying to silence him. Maybe he was a known entity and they, mm-hmm. and he was just a bothersome person. Being that's blind, why we don't know his first name. Being blind, <laughs> yeah, being blind on the side of the road, yeah. begging, whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It could be that they, the crowd knew the guy. Yeah. How about, uh, how does this response, though, of Bartimaeus to the rebuke encourage us? Don't give up. Okay. God is available. Okay. <laughs> what is he, in verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more. <laughs> uh, and again, if there is this interesting reputation with him, he didn't let that stop him. It must be pretty interesting uh, to the degree that if you're blind and you haven't seen for all your life, and uh, I mean, just the concept of you're out walking around blind and you hear this reputation of, a, of someone that can heal, and you know, there's not there's social security and all the other uh, safety nets probably on around. It's probably uh, worth your while to go over there and say, hey, maybe this Jesus could help me. I mean, there's a spark of faith or a hope over there. For him to call out uh, the way he did, obviously he uh, there's no other there's no other there's there's nothing behind you. This is the full load right there, because no one else is going to be able to make him see. Okay. Yeah. So there's definitely a persistence. There's a faith. Um, you, you know, at him calling out after they told him to be silent got the attention of Jesus. You know, again, a lot of times you see that Jesus waits for to see faith exercised. Uh, in in a in a tangible way, uh, again, not not so that that it's about our work, but uh, for the recognition of the desperation that somebody has for Jesus, uh, because there's a lot of people who uh, who say, yeah, Jesus is a great guy, and I'll, I need him sometimes, and I might call on him sometimes, but there's a difference when you're like, I I I have no hope. But in, but in Christ alone. And so I think that, that you see these, these over and over again in the life of Jesus, um, the followers who really wanted Jesus, who really wanted uh, the, 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 the healing that he brings, were a little more desperate than those who were just there to watch the show. Um, you know, so. I was kind of thinking over there of, uh, about being blind. I just flipping over there. Uh, how many in the church today? Uh, it's just exactly what you said. Uh, I really don't need it that bad. I'll call on Jesus when I think I need. You're walking around blind, stupid. You don't have all the facts, and you know you're going on your own efforts, and you are literally blind spiritually. And I mean, it's almost a, just a reverse of it being there. Just because you can see doesn't mean you're not blind. And I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So there's an interesting shift of the people here in the crowd. Um, so first, they were telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. But in verse 49, uh, Jesus stopped and, and said, call him. And they called to the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he is calling you. Um, so 
I mean, when we look at this, how is this similar sometimes to how we are? Okay. Okay. In this case, Jesus is for it, so that's a little bigger deal too. But, but I mean, that's that's true. I mean, sometimes we're we're set in our ways about certain things, and then we we see the response of Jesus, or we read God's word, and we go, "Oh, maybe I'm off here a little bit." I mean, we don't know if there's this off, but that these people have that they're like, "Oh, we're wrong." We just know they were silencing him. Now they're telling him, "Be encouraged. Get up." Um, so it's interesting. I mean, it's a big shift in us, right? I mean, uh, well, so uh, there's times where I don't give the time of day to some people or consideration, and then I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit of the heart of God towards them. And I'm like, okay, let me encourage this person rather than, you know, avoid their calls or whatever. So if I don't answer the first time, it's not that I'm trying to avoid your calls. Just this sort of reminds me of what what uh, this fellow said to Jesus, why he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of reminds me. I, I'm just wondering if he was really a believer, as him being a savior, or if he was like some of these people that used to come to our food bank mm. because in his case come to get healed rather you know the physician thing uh, I just wonder because Jesus in some instances because of their faith they are healed mm-hmm. he didn't say that in this one yeah he does does he? at the end he says go your way your faith has made you well oh okay I didn't so but, but I, you, you make a really good point Delane is there's some people that have all the right answers. And that's where the gift of discernment comes in because I've heard a lot of people say the right things, but yet they're just saying it to food box type thing or to get something. Um, well, I mean, and, with his reputation for sure. healing, yeah, yeah. Uh, doesn't seem like if I were probably that fellow and was looking forward to my next you know, party, uh, what I wanted to see, I'd run over there and yeah. see what he could do. <laughs> yeah, it always astounds me because you see these people who are beggars and blind. Now he's no longer blind. And so he has no excuse in that culture to be a beggar anymore. Now he's got to go like, provide for himself. You know, I wonder, I mean, this is just me in my weird world going, I wonder how many people after they were healed were like, Oh man, now I gotta get to work. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was easier back then. I won't go too down far that road, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just interesting to me because what they're wanting, yes, is healing, but it also radically changes their life. I mean, radically changes their life. You know, I, so the guy who was blind since birth, the guy who was crippled since birth, and now you're walking. What do you gotta do now? A whole new world, Steve. Uh, just thinking of some of the things you said. Um, in Ephesians over there, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and now you're alive in Christ. I mean, that's pretty radical, too, that you were dead. I, yeah. imag- I imagine dead means dead. I don't know, but I'm thinking dead means dead, and now you're alive in Christ. That's pretty radical, too. Is it? Yeah, the healing touch of Christ yeah. is, is radically changes our life. 
Um, but, but I mean, I can't speak for anyone in here, but I think there have been times that you've been like, man, it was a lot easier when I didn't know better. <laughs> so, you know, let me remain ignorant because now I realize that I'm, I do make mistakes. Now I realize there's an enemy uh, that, that, is, that is trying to destroy. And before I could just go, no, 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 I don't know. But now I can't do that anymore. Um, and so the world changes for when you come, into, when you come to faith. Um, and, and so it's just, I just wonder, you know, um, and we, we have all known those people who who seem genuine and they might be i don't i'm not making a judgment on their eternal salvation but they're involved they're connected and then all of a sudden they're just not around anymore and you're like well, what's going on and uh you know i heard one person one person told me years ago well i tried jesus but you know it was good for a time i'm like well that's not how it works but <laughs> you know just not like a, you know like a trial period or something. You know, like, it's like when you get hired, it's a 90-day probation. We'll give Jesus a 90-day probation. We'll see how it is at the end. <laughs> I did the lemon walk. Yeah, right, right. right. I'm like, mm, I don't, yeah. So, but how do you, resp- I mean, I remember sitting there going, I have no idea how to respond to that other than mm, that's not how it works. I mean, I think I said that to him and walked away because <laughs> I'm like, I better, but uh, yeah, I tried Jesus. Oh, okay, all right, well. So, and it's like, hmm. So we just have these, these things where we struggle, right? What does it look like? This guy called out for mercy. Jesus heard him. He called him. The people shifted their ideas. I'd be, wow, he's paying attention to you. Um, and then Jesus says, what do you have me to do for you? And uh, take heart. Get up. He is calling you. So before that, even before he has this interaction with Jesus, there, there's kind of an action on his part. They say, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Um, So how does that kind of speak to us? Because that's an indication, I think, um, to where his heart was at, to what he was needing and what he was wanting. Back to Delane's point, right? You know, where where that comes in there. It's tough because a lot of what I'm saying, you guys have responded this way. You're here at Bible study on a Sunday morning, <laughs> right? There's an, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that there's an expectation. I get to go learn about God. I get to hang out with, with, with fellow believers and encourage one another. Um, Jesus is calling us. His spirit is beckoning us to be here. Like on Sunday mornings, I, I pray that, that people are not just, well, you know, it's what I do. I got nothing else better to do this morning. What, what I'm hoping is that it's like, no, we get to go hear God and respond to God. Um, and he's calling us to do that. And so, um, and I don't know about you, there's that old song by Lionel Richie called, I don't know what the name of it was, but the one of the, one of the um, lines in it was easy like Sunday morning. And I'm like, well, you didn't have kids trying to go to church. <laughs> if that's a line in a song. Um, because the enemy doesn't want us to be here. The enemy realizes we get built up. We actually believe and, and are strengthened in our faith. And so he's doing everything and he doesn't play fair at all. Um, so, any other things that how does this speak to us? That he threw off his coat and sprang up to see Jesus. Well, it, said, it sounds joyful to me. Mm, I mean, it nice. almost 
he sprang up and didn't, and it was deliberately said that way. Hmm. He didn't just, okay, well, I'll get up and see. Him. He went, it sounds like went with expectation. Yeah. And joy in his heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. Believing that yeah. Jesus would heal him. Yeah. What? Wow. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it felt when I was saved. Yeah. What? No way. Nice. No way. Well, and I think that that gives an indication that he was really uh, claiming Jesus as the Messiah when he was saying Jesus, son of David. His action shows that, to kind of what you both were saying, what he's actually, he heard me. <laughs> Let me get there. He heard me. Um, and I think, again, the challenge with us who have been in the church a while, we, you know, it's encouraging to, to, to be reminded of... Um, the joy that we discover when Christ reaches down and meets us where we're at and forgives us of our sins and makes us new. Um, but then we get kind of used to it, right? <laughs> we shouldn't, but we do. People ask me about it, and I was like, you, you have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It's way smaller scale, but it, I see it as like when he told them to leave their fishing nets behind and follow them. Mm -hmm. he, this what he did is he left some cloak, whatever. Yeah. Took yeah. off and followed him. Mm. I thought it was pretty effective over there. Bartimaeus uh, um, over there getting that spring of faith. I wonder how far back, you know, obviously Jesus' reputation where he had a faith, a belief of other people. Uh, maybe he knew someone that was healed of uh, when, when des desperate, but to call out like that, I was just, I was in what a joy when you see other people's lives. Uh, and, and it's changed, and uh, you see people uh, sacrificing or growing in the Lord, and it's actually legitimate. And what Connie blesses me, I, I, I can't tell you how much she just cracks me up when I just see her. It makes me just smile of seeing the growth. And just It's like watching a plant just blossom and, and blooms as you see the Lord grow, grow her. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. To, and I wonder if Bartimaeus over there had heard uh, the reputation, the faith wasn't just uh, blind. It was, hey, I knew Bill, and Bill was, had, was a cripple, or it was at the Pool of Salome or somewhere. And, you know, there was well, some, some, somehow some, he was told. Some, somehow, he, <laughs> somehow <laughs> again, there's that reputation of Jesus. And again, that, that's a, on a side note, that's the best way um, to share the gospel is through relationship. Uh, you, you know, the people who have a personal connection and get invited to church and are brought by a friend have a much higher percentage rate of staying with it than someone just going, uh, getting a flyer and saying, I guess I'll show up. Um, that's why sometimes, you know, the flyers are um, really, I find if we have like the invites, it's, it's a, it, I always look for, I think our Easter one was said, I'm saving a seat for you. That's a relationship thing, right? Hey, come sit next to me. Uh, rather than just, hey, we're having a service uh, to, the, to the whole world. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things that we, we have to, to fight with all the time. So what can we learn from the request of Bartimaeus and the response of Jesus? So he threw off his cloak and sprang up to come to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So um, if we go to, I'll go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. This gives us a little bit of an insight into uh, the, a potential answer, I should say. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
So what can we learn from Bartimaeus and his response to Jesus? Yeah. And, and belief, I mean, it's, it's not a huge word, but it is a huge <laughs> meaning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like he had any doubts. It doesn't right. sound at all like, like he was like, well, springing up. He, had, he wasn't doubting. He knew. He, he, and he knew what he wanted to. Yes. <laughs> I, want, I want my sight to be restored. And we look at Hebrews 11, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So he had the assurance, I think, that Jesus was going to answer his, his, his cry. And again, but we, this is so weird, of things not seen. Um, so when we think of you know, me wanting a loved one or a friend to receive Jesus, to receive the forgiveness of sins... Um, I don't see that, but then I do sometimes, right? Then you see it. Uh, but our hope and the conviction of things not seen, that God is working. He is doing uh, the work that he says. Um, so I think, again, Bartimaeus here, um, and Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. It's very interesting to me that there's that little note because I think, again, kind of back to, to Delane's point, this shows a motivation of, of the blind man. He saw Jesus as his savior. He saw Jesus as his only hope and he followed him on the way. And with the exception, I'm trying to think, with the exception of one time, um, Jesus did never discouraged people from following him. I mean, there was the demoniac he said, I want to follow you. And he says, no, you need to go tell your, your countrymen and, and what I've done for you. But beyond that, um, you see those true conversions. You see, what about the, you know, the, the lepers who were healed and they go away and one comes back and he's like, where are the other ones? <laughs> you know, so they got what they wanted. They got their food box and like, see ya. <laughs> and, and Jesus commends the faith of that person. Um, and so again, it's, it's an astounding thing because... God is a blessing God. So he blesses the wicked and the righteous. And, and so we find people using Jesus for um, selfishness, for ill gain. But those who really follow Jesus are those who have placed their, their trust in him. Um, and again, uh, we need to realize that there is a battle for us to follow Jesus. There is, everything... In the world, everything the enemy, even our flesh at times, will, will try to discourage you and prevent you from really following Jesus. But if you're always mindful, to what Barb was saying, always mindful of what has been done. And I was thinking too, imagine the light that he saw when Jesus... Mm. Mm. Good call. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. You know, the danger huh. on the flip side of the coin huh. too, they're... I was just thinking of all of going through the, the gospel readings over there. How many, I can't think of a time where the Pharisees or the Sadducees rejoiced at seeing healings. <laughs> I mean, it, it, almost every every I can't think of one time where they um, hmm. where they're trying to kill him. I mean, raise uh, raises uh, raises the dead, heals the sick, or whatever. And well, he healed on the Sabbath. It can't be of God. And so basically, there's no understanding of, of what. And I, and I find it amazing that they can't. Uh, go to the Old Testament and, and say, well, 
man, that maybe that maybe there's a correlation there. And I was just thinking, being religious, uh, that could be death if you're not careful. Well, yeah, and we see that again. The popularity of Jesus is growing. <laughs> this guy was, you know, we know he was healed and followed him. How many people, because of the witness of this man's healing, said, you know, again, we kind of talked about the idea that somebody probably told him about Jesus. And so they said, he's, you know, we see that in scripture. Hey, you know, what's the commotion? Jesus is coming. And we see this crying out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us because there's this reputation. And reputation happens not only with the healing, but to the person that was healed. Um, you know, I mean, how many people that guy's walking around and can see now applying for jobs? <laughs> They're like, what? How can you apply for a job? Well, I can read the application now. <laughs> so the help wanted sign is, uh, is seen. Uh, and so I think that, again, we have this, um, this tangible example, which all of us are. All of us who have received the forgiveness of sins and been changed from darkness to light and, and are new creations in Christ, all of us have this witness that those of us who know us um, will see. Uh, and uh, it's one of those things where I, I always hesitate to put a lot of pressure on us to make sure you're being seen as a Christian because I believe if you follow Jesus, it just naturally happens and people notice it. Um, and so the big thing is, are you following Jesus? I mean, that's, the, that's where I think we have to encourage one another, look to Jesus, grow in Jesus, grow in his love. And then the natural outcome of that is... Um, that people see Jesus in you. Uh, you know, they'll ask you something and you'll be like, oh, well, no, on Sundays I do this. Oh, you're one of those. No. <laughs> I'll go golfing every once in a while, get paired up with somebody if no one wants to golf with me. And, uh, and uh, over the years, well, what do you do? Oh, this. oh so sorry for my language. <laughs> okay. You know, it's not like I haven't heard that before. So. <laughs> And the golf course, you see, hear it a lot more. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll pick up uh, at Mark 11. I did, well, let's go ahead. Someone read Mark 11, 1 through 11, if you got it. I think we should we could get some observations. We got time. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent out two of his disciples and said to them. Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found the colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them that Jesus, what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, he was already, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Okay. Some observations. There's a lot here, so just some observations. What is the significance of 
the colt no one had sat on before. Is, does, is it's that a prophecy. No, let me find it here. Um, Just, um, let's see. It's right here in verse 2. Yeah, no, I'm looking at the... He's looking at the Old Testament reference. Well... Find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Yep. Zechariah 9 9. So let's go back there. So Zechariah 9 9 says, is the, the subtitle, the head title, The Coming King of Zion. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the language there is that the Messiah would come in on a colt, the foal of a donkey that had never been, that, that's, that's what that term means, that had never been ridden on before. So this is a direct, direct uh, fulfillment of, of prophecy. So again, it's one of the things, to Steve's point, if, if the Jewish leaders were really paying attention, um, again, I think they were paying attention. It, it's just they, it wasn't coming the way they wanted I, we want what's that? I don't believe they understood. No, I, I agree too. Um, they had an idea the Messiah is going to come in power. Mm-hmm. Yet you read this, rejoice he's coming hum, in, in, humbly on the foal, the colt of a donkey. <laughs> That's not how they saw him coming. No, and I wondered if they did. They did know and they didn't like what they saw because yeah. like you say, he, he was doing it but in a different way. And, yeah. and it would anger them. Yeah, and I wonder too sometimes um, if the justification for how they were acting was, well, someone could have read that and then just done everything. Uh, I mean, the, you know, I mean, the reality is the, the signs were the things that they couldn't explain. You could say, well, you know, he's a good teacher. He knows Zechariah 9.9. Of course, he's going to come in like this. And so, the, you know, so there were two things that, that really... He, to prove he was God, he did miracles. I mean, he said that. So you will know. <laughs> and, and then he said, he said often, I am. He responded to son of David. He, you know, there's these things that he did. Um, the, the, some of these physical things, they could, just, they could just, oh, well, he knew this. You know, he read the Old Testament. He could have done this. So I don't know if those would have been. Now, when we know that he's the Messiah, and when we know that Jesus is God, these things have great significance because we're not, you're not, we're not suspect of him um, like they were. Uh, and so they were looking for things. Uh, they couldn't explain some things. I mean, that's where they, they came face to face with, to your point, make things they didn't like because he didn't come as they expected. Um, and, and some of it was his claim to equality with God, but not acting like they thought the Messiah would. So we'll pick it up there next week. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, sometimes you come to us uh, unexpectedly, and uh, Lord, help us to, to receive uh, what you have for us. Um, help us to be open-handed about how you want to work in our lives, and help us to, to know that you have not left anything undone, and that we can trust you, and give us faith as a uh, this blind man had, and who you, 
you said, call him and the encouragement that you actually heard as he sprang to his feet. And then the boldness to ask for what he needed. Um, So Lord, give us that relationship with you in greater measure. Thank you again for the children's ministry. We pray that they're having a great time and that it's uh, just encouraging them um, and that they're growing in their faith and that people are helping are growing in their faith too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.